morning. Welcome, welcome. So my name is Oscar. I'm the media director here at Calvary. Uh, first of all, I want to say welcome to Calvary and welcome to our Christmas Eve service. Uh, first of all, if you're a worshiping with us for the very first time, thank you for being here. Uh, we know how busy this weekend is for all of you, and, and we're so grateful that you chose to spend some time with us worshiping this morning. Uh, if you would love, uh, like for us to connect with you, in the little seat pockets in the seat in front of you, there's this blue card. Uh, you can scan it digitally on your phone and fill it out or fill it out on the card and drop it off uh, in the box out in the lobby. And if you do, after the craziness of the holidays, we'll connect with you. We'll say thanks for coming uh, and see if we can pray for you or with you with anything. Now, today is a little bit different. So the reason I'm up here is to let you know what to expect. This is laid out in your worship guide if you grabbed one. But if you didn't, I want to tell you what's going to happen. First of all, I'm going to talk. See, that's happening already. And then after that, a little video is going to play, which gives the band a second to set up. Uh, and then we're going to stand and we're going to sing a few Christmas carols together. Uh, after that, we're going to pray. And then we're going to invite all the kids that are here to come up to these little cute chairs right up here in the front. And Pastor Zeke has a Christmas story, a Christmas message just for them. And so they get to sit up here with him as he tells that Christmas message. Now, parents little note for y'all, you're going to want to snag a picture. I know. All right. So you see that dark corner where we have no lights on? All right. That's for you. All right. No judgment from us. You'll probably see me over there because I got little ones here too. All right. So if you want to snag a picture real quick, that's where you can do it. After Zeke's message, we're going to play another video. And what we're using that video for is your kids are going to help us pass out some family safe candles. All right. Candles. And then the lights are going to go down low. Heads up. It's going to get dark. All right. And we're going to do a candlelit joy to the world to wrap up our celebration. And when you see me at the end, you'll know we're about to wrap up. All right. All right. So that's what to expect. Sound good? We ready? All right. Let's play that video. We'll get started.
In many and various ways, God spoke of old to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He reflects the glory and bears the very image of his nature, upholding the universe by his word of power when he had made purification for our sins he sat down at the right hand of majesty on high
were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord.
to give thanks uh, you look around you your family your health and uh, those that uh, you know so we're going to pray for those that are not here those that are traveling for traveling mercies and we'll pray for those that need prayer because they are sick we will pray right now father god we thank you for your blessings we thank you for all that you have allowed us to accomplish this year We thank you for the health you've given us, the strength you've given us. And, Lord, we continue to pray for those, Lord, that are traveling for traveling mercies. We pray, Father God, for those, Father God, that need prayer because of sickness in their body. Lord, we pray for healing. We also pray, Father God, for the conflicts that are among us, for the conflicts that are around us, for the conflicts that are around the world. Father God, you know they are. Lord, We pray that, Lord, in the midst of chaos, you are still there. We pray for the peace, not only in our heart, but, Lord, for the peace, Lord, that surrounds us. We pray, Father God, for the safety and the peace, Lord, of Israel. And, Lord, all those wars, that Lord, that are about right now, Father God. We pray, Lord, that for the chaos, you are in the midst, Father God. You protect the innocent. Lord, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus for your blessings that you've given us for the first responders. They're out there, Lord, working day in and day out. Lord, we pray for them in the mighty name of Jesus. And now we have something exciting. Because if we look in Matthew 19, Jesus tells his disciples, Suffer not the little children to come unto me, for for they are the kingdom, right? We have to be like a little child. So right now, I want to invite all the children that are here to come forward Pastor C has a special message, a story that he wants to share with y'all. Come on, uh, kids. Preschool, the uh, school age that are elementary school, come on down. So, therefore, we're going to have a little story. Here's Pastor Zeke. 
Well, good morning. Come on in. Come on in. Have a seat. I'm Pastor Zeke. I'm the youth guy here at Calvary. I'm so excited to share with you a very, very special story. One that is in the Word of God. If you have a Bible, you can follow along with me. The scriptures will also be up on the screen. But I'm going to share this very, very important story with you all. The reason why we celebrate Christmas is because of what happened here 2,000 years ago. What happened in God's Word, recorded in God's Word, of something incredible that took place 2,000 years ago. The first and oldest written prophecy given directly by God is found in the opening chapters of the Bible. A prophecy is a declaration of what God is saying. And he said something really important in the very first book of the Bible. What's the very first book of the Bible called? Anybody know? Yeah, Genesis. Very good. Now, in Genesis, in the very opening chapters of the book, it alludes, it tells about this miraculous coming of the Messiah. Now, Messiah, what's the, what's the word Messiah mean? Anybody know what the word Messiah means? Starts with an S. Not Superman. A Savior. Exactly right. Good job. Messiah means Savior. And who was that Savior? It was Jesus Christ. The birth of Jesus more than 2,000 years ago is one of the most incredible events to have ever happened in this universe. And in all of creation. And I'm going to tell you this incredible story. It's called the Christmas story. Now, it, since it's from the Bible, it means it's not just a story, right? It's his story. That's why we call it history. History tells us about real events, real things that happened, and uh, real things that happened in the past. And we're going to start this history with some very wise men from the East. They were also known as Magi, and they knew this important day would come, the day the Savior would be born. They were wise men indeed. Why? Because they knew and believed the words of God. If you want to be wise, learn what God says in his word and believe it. They knew what God said about the coming Messiah, and they remembered his words from the prophet Micah. This is what Micah says in Micah 5. It says, but you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, are, are only a small village among the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past will come from you on my behalf. The people of Israel will be abandoned to their enemies until the woman in labor gives birth. Then at last his fellow countrymen will return from exile to their own land. And he will stand to lead his flock with the Lord's strength. In the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, then his people will live there undisturbed, for he will be highly honored around the world. And he will be the source of peace. You know who that is? That was Jesus. And the wise men knew that the day had finally arrived. 
And they began to see what appeared to be this bright shining star in the sky. They believed that this star was a miraculous sign from God that would lead them to the Savior of man, the Messiah. And they were right. So the Magi, they set off on a long journey to find this child born who would be the Savior of the world. We're going to come back to these guys, these wise men, a little bit later in this history of Jesus. But first, let's look at the book of Luke and see what happens when a young woman first learns that she will become the mother of the Messiah. Anybody know her name? Yeah. Mary. Very good. Let's, let's look, take a look at what happened with Mary. Luke chapter 1, it says, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. For you have found favor with God, and you will conceive and give birth to a son you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Most High is another name for God, God the Father. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, Well, how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will, will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but she, was, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. God said, even though you are barren, you are going to have a child. You can trust the word of God, and so did Mary. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. How did, how did Mary respond to what the angel was saying? He, she tr trusted the angel she trusted God's word that the angel was speaking. She trusted God. This is what we need to do when God tells you something from his word. We can rely on it. We can trust him in it just as Mary did. But what about Joseph? Was Joseph there in this conversation? No. Let's see what happens with him and Jesus uh, him and uh, him learning about this about about Mary going to be giving a, a going to be having a baby in Matthew chapter 1. It says, this is how the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to, be, uh, to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, the angel has already explained this to Mary, but Joseph didn't know this yet. How did Joseph react? How did Joseph respond? 
Now, did Joseph know anything yet? No, not yet. So what was he going to do? Would he believe Mary? Would he be confused, scared, or, or angry? What would he do? Well, let's find out. Joseph, to whom Mary was engaged, was a righteous man. And he did not want to disgrace Mary publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. So now he's thinking, we're just not going to get married. But Joseph was an honorable man. And he did not want to embarrass Mary. But he did his best. He did the best that he thought he could do. And as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. He said, Joseph, son of David, the angel, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Okay, now here's really something really interesting. Before any of this happened, God spoke through one of his prophets named Isaiah. And in Isaiah, it says this, Look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, here in Matthew, the angel said the exact same thing to Joseph. He was quoting God's word that was said hundreds of years ago. And when Joseph woke up, he did just as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife. Now, while this was happening, an emperor in Rome was getting ready to do something very important throughout the land. He was about to take this thing called a census. Now, what's a census? A census is the king or the emperor or the government gathering all of the numbers of everyone in the kingdom. It is an official count of the population. Now, Caesar Augustus wanted to know how many people were in his Roman Empire. So he wanted everybody to go home. Go back to their ancestral house where their family grew up. And he's going to make sure every single one of them is counted. This is important because what, the, what God said in the prophecy that the Magi were looking at said that the Savior were, was going to be born in Bethlehem. Now, at this point, were they in Bethlehem yet? No, they were in Nazareth. Uh, they were in a village of Nazareth called Galilee. Well, how did they get to Bethlehem? Luke chapter 2. This is how. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the the Roman Empire. This was the first census to be taken, and all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census, including Mary and Joseph. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, which was David's ancient home. That's how, that's why Mary and Joseph had to go to Bethlehem. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. So they arrived in Bethlehem. 
that Jesus wasn't born yet. In when I when I was really little, about y'all's age, I was real little, and we were in a play. And in that play, I played this this innkeeper that turned away uh, Mary, who was about to give birth. But that's not necessarily exactly what the Bible says. Let's look at the real history of what happened. It says they arrived in Bethlehem, but Jesus wasn't born yet. So it was that they were there, that the days were completed for her to be delivered. How many days was that? I don't know. But it wasn't right when they got there. So what happened is they gathered together when they were called to be in their ancestral homes. They would, even if they didn't have a house there, they would go and stay with family. And in their families, they usually had a guest room. The guest room was called an inn. So they, uh, verse number seven, she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And the inn just means guest room. In my house, we have a little guest room. But if my whole family from San Antonio comes to visit me in my house, there's not going to be enough room. We might have to stay outside in the tent. You know, and there wasn't, there wasn't enough room for them to have enough privacy to give birth. And so they had a time to be separated from the family. Or uh, There wasn't enough any more guest rooms in the house that they were staying at. But they had been in Bethlehem for several days. And at this point, they're now going to be in a manger, which is really important. Because this was part of what God would say as a sign of who Jesus was. The shepherds and the angels, the, uh, uh, that night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel assured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped all snugly in strips of cloth lying in a, in a manger. So it was exactly what happened with men when Mary gave birth and there wasn't any more room in the place that they were staying. And now she was having to put Jesus in a manger. You're going to find him lying in a manger, the angel said. Do you know what a manger is? What is a manger? Yeah. It's like a, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, so he was wrapped in that blanket. Yes. Yeah, this is where you put some food there so animals can eat. And it's uh, and it wasn't... Uh, this, this was a very, it wasn't usually used to put babies in. It was used to put food in for animals. And so it was very unique that they would find a baby in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others and the armies of heaven, all praising God, saying this, Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. Is God pleased with you? I'm telling you, when God is pleased with you, all of heaven rejoices. 
when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's go see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So off they go. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in a manger, just as the angels said they would find. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone that had, what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. This shepherd, or the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. It was just as the angel had told them. Now, we're back where we started with this history of Jesus. Who did we start with? The wise men, also called the magi. We started with the visitors from the east. These wise men, here's what happened with them. And here's what they did when they finally found Jesus. Matthew chapter 2 says this. Jesus, born in Bethlehem in Judea. During the reign of King Herod, about that time, some wise men from the east, eastern lands, arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now, King Herod was deeply disturbed by this. What do you mean, king? I'm the king. There's no other king. What are you talking about? What king are you, are you speaking of? He was disturbed about what these wise men were saying. As was everyone else in Jerusalem, he called a meeting of the, lead, of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law, and he asked them this, where is the, this Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said. For this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come. You will, you who will be the shepherd, um, uh, from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. He said, wait a minute, I'm the king. You telling me there's somebody going to be taking over? Then Herod called for a private meeting with these wise men. And he learned from them the time when the star appeared. And he told them, look, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for this child. And when you find him, come back and tell me. Come back and tell me so I can go and worship him too. You think the king wanted to go worship Jesus? No. He wanted to kill him. But the wise men did want to worship this new king. He did want to worship Jesus. He did want to wor- they did want to worship the Messiah, the Savior. And they finally get their chance in verse number 9. After this meeting, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered into the house, And saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. What did they do when they saw Jesus? They worshipped him. Yes, very good. 
And that's what they did when they found Jesus. That's exactly what they did. They worshiped the Messiah. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts. There were three gifts. Anybody know what they were? Yeah. Gold and these other fancy words that smell really nice. One of them's called frankincense. And not a candle, but you put this in candles sometimes. Frankincense and myrrh and gold. These three gifts were given to him. They finally made it. And as soon as they found Jesus, they worshipped him with great joy. Why? Why did they worship him? Because it is the greatest joy for all the world to know that the Savior has come. Do you know that? Do you know that Jesus has not only come, that this is not just a story, but this is his story. It is history. It is the history of Jesus. And that is the real history of why we celebrate Jesus every Christmas. And it is with great joy that we celebrate his coming. And we're going to do that here in a very special way in just a few minutes. But I want to ask you a question. Jesus coming here was an incredible thing. Knowing that and believing that is a very good thing. But I want you to do something more. The Bible says that whoever believes in Jesus, God's word, we saw many times the angels speak about what God said in his word. And the people the angels were speaking to, they believed Because it was God's word. And sure enough, the things happened exactly the way the angels said. Now here's the thing. God wants Jesus to be the Lord of your life. There's one thing about believing that Jesus is real, because he is. But he also came here to do something very important. He came here to fix a broken relationship with God. You know, there's this thing called sin. Sin is what happens when we do something that is against what God wants us to do. And we've all done it. We've all done things that separate us from God. We've all done things that the Bible calls sin. And what the Bible says about sin is that it separates us from God. And he doesn't want want you to be separated from him. And so I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to everybody in this room to understand me here. This isn't just a pretty story. This isn't just a beautiful recount of history. There is something happening in the heart heart of hearts of who we are. There is an invisible, intangible part of who you are that is made in the image of God and therefore lives forever. When this life is over, your existence does not cease. You are made in the likeness of God and God is forever. What God did was create a way for us to not only be forgiven, but to have a restored relationship with God through saving faith in his son. The reason why God sent Jesus here, the reason why we unpack this beautiful story of his incarnation, is to understand uh, that there is a big problem that has taken place when we have allowed sin to be the ruler of our life. Whatever, however it looks, sin creates separation between us and the Lord. When I was real little, 
The worst thing I ever did was put gum in my sister's hair. I got in a lot of trouble for that. But I also was, I used to think that was the bad things that I would do. But someone asked me, have I ever lied before? Yeah. What do you call someone who lies? A liar. That's right. Someone asked me if I, if I ever stolen anything before. And I remember I stole a water gun from Albertsons. A little water gun. And I, I still remember that. I said, yeah, I, I've stolen before. What do you call someone who steals? A thief. Yeah. And then he said something really, I was maybe about 14, 15 years old. He said, have you ever killed anyone? I was like, well, no, I've never killed anybody. Of course not. He said, you know, I used to think that too. The Bible says if you hate someone, you've committed murder in your heart already. Have you ever hated anyone? I had, I, had to, I had to put my head down. Now listen, none of us are perfect, and that's the point. The Bible says, all have fallen short to the glory of God. None of us can earn our way to a righteous relationship with God. And that is the reason why he sent his son. You see, God is not just loving. He's also a just God. He's also one that would not, he can't just, Pretend like those bad things didn't happen. So here's what he did. He had Jesus do what we could not. He lived a perfect life. The Bible said he knew no sin, meaning he never lied. He never stole. He never committed murder in his heart. And God said, I'm going to put the cost of sin on Jesus so that you don't have to pay that price. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. What, the wages is what we earn. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Death in the biblical sense is separation. When you die, your spirit and your soul is separated from your body. You do not get to take your body with you. But the Bible says if you die a second death, you are eternally separated from God. And that was not what God wanted. But he's also just. So he made a way for Jesus to pay the cost by dying a criminal's death, being dead for three days, and God raised him, raising him from the dead. These aren't just beautiful stories in God's word. It is the means by which God remained just and gracious at the same time. It is the beautiful combination of grace and mercy of justice and righteousness given to those who would believe. I want to ask, ask a very important question. Will you, you guys just close your eyes and everybody in this room, let's bow our, bow our heads and close our eyes for just a moment. There is nothing super spiritual about bowing your head and closing your eyes. It's just to give a solemn moment between you and God. You know, the Bible says that all the children belong to the Lord. There are many in this room, we are not children anymore. Paul said, when I was a child, I thought as a child. But as I grew, I put away childish things. I used to think that going to heaven, being a child of God, is about doing good things and stop doing bad things. That's childish thinking. 
I used to think that to be a Christian means I was going to church, reading the Bible, doing good, godly things. That's childish thinking. We are, the Bible says you are either with me or against me. You are either walking with me or we're not. I want to ask you this question in the quietness of your own heart. Ask yourself, God, do I belong to you? I've heard this story before. In fact, I believe the facts about this story. But Lord, do you know me? In Matthew chapter 7, it says that many will come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord, didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't I cast out demons in your name? Didn't I perform many mighty works in your name? And Jesus said, depart from me. I never knew you. I wasn't one with you. You weren't walking with me. I don't want your works. I don't want the good things you're trying to do. I just want you. I want your heart. If I have you, then of course your works are going to look like me. I just want you. I want you to trust me. I want you to follow me. Walk with me. Let me transform you. Students ask all the time, well, if I come to Jesus, do I have to give up this? Do I have to give up that? Do I have to stop doing this? I say, no. Come to Jesus as you are. You don't clean yourself up before you get in the shower. Let the water of, the, of what Christ accomplished on the cross be what washes you. What the shedding of God's blood, the payment of what it took for us to be forgiven and restored relationship, in, a, in, a, in a relationship with God let that be a part. Let that count for you too. Let that be the reason why you step out, step forward in faith and saving faith in God. Jesus didn't come here to establish a new religion. He came here to restore a broken relationship. My question to you is, do you have that? Do you have a thriving love relationship with our God the Father through saving faith in his Son? If the answer is yes, praise the Lord. I am rejoicing with you. If you're sitting in your seat and you say, you know, I don't know, but I want to know. I'm not sure, but I want to be sure. If you say, you know what, I haven't. I don't even know how I found myself in this room, but I know I'm not walking with God, but I want to. Listen, if that's you, I'm just going to pray here and we're going to close. If that's you, from where you're sitting, in the quietness of your own heart, you can say, Dear God, I get it. I've heard this story a hundred times, but I get it now. I need you to be the Lord of my life. I know it's my sin that separated me from you, but I don't want to be separated from you anymore. God, I'm asking for what Christ accomplished on the cross to count for me too. Thank you for making a way for me to not only be forgiven, but have a real relationship with you. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord, to walk with you. Help me, Lord, to look like you.
I want to be a child of God through and through. Father, if there be anybody in this room that is meeting you, if there's anybody in this room where you are meeting them where they are, I pray, God, a special blessing on them. I pray, Father, that they'll be walking forward in the confidence of your forgiveness. And Lord, walking faithfully as your child. Recognizing that the old self is gone. Behold, we can be a new person in Christ Jesus. We love you, Father. We praise you and we thank you. For those of you who have taken the step that way, there are two gentlemen in the back that have a gift for you. They just want to share one thing with you. They have, a, they have a gift for you, and it's a Bible. It's a brand new, New Living Translation Bible. That, And I'm going to encourage you to do two things. If you prayed this morning and say, you know what, I've been far from God, but I want to be walking with him, I want to encourage you to go get one of those. I want you to do two things. I want you to know Jesus and read through the Gospel of John. The new Testament, you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And then after you read through John, getting to know your Savior, I want you to read First John. Well, First John is in the back of the book. The very back, you got Revelation. Right before that, you got Jude. And then before that, you got Third John, then Second John, and then First John. John says, I write these things so that you may know that you have eternal life. You want to know if you belong to the Lord? Do those two things. Not that those things save. Those things will enrich the soul of one who belongs to him. But if you prayed that, please, go get one of those from those gentlemen standing in the back and do those two things. Okay? At this time, we're, kids, you guys are going to help me out. Okay? I got a couple of baskets up here. Come over here with me. We're going to take one of these. On the bottom, there's a little switch right there. You can flip that on. I'll take a look at the screens. My mama told me something when I was growing up that has forever changed my life. She played the piano at our little church at 3rd and Pine Street for 37 years. She tried to teach me to play the piano, <laughs> but I wasn't very good. She would teach me the names of the notes, what a major key is, what a minor key is. She tried to teach me musical theory, but I was just bored. Then, one day, she told me that the best news in the world is found by playing a simple scale on the piano. I had no idea what she meant, so she told me to play an eight-note scale. So I did. I said, how is that good news? 
and she said I played it incorrectly and that I needed to play it the other way. So I did. Again, I said, how is that good news? And she said, I played it the right way, but I needed to add the pauses. The pauses? She said, the pauses. Add them on the first, second, fourth, sixth, seventh, and last note. Now, I was frustrated and said, how can eight notes with random pauses be the best news in the world? Then I got up, walked away, and went outside. Frankly, I didn't care what she was talking about. I didn't like playing the piano anyway. Well, years later, my mama got sick and passed away. As I was thinking about her, I remembered what she told me about the piano. Not only that, I still remember the notes she told me to pause. The first, second, fourth, sixth, seventh, and last note. So I sat down at her piano and played the scale with the pauses. And that's when I realized the good news she was talking about.
you back. One of our pastors, Terry Bratton, he was a police officer with the Houston Police Department for like 40 years, and he's got some incredible stories he's going to share with us about his time on the force, what that taught him about our relationships with others, and why we can trust in our relationship with God. So please come back, start your new year the right way with us next week. Other reminder, just a reminder, on the other side of that wall, hot chocolate, Mexican hot chocolate, and all the cookies you can eat. Please enjoy. Again, thank you so much for coming. Have a Merry Christmas, everybody. We are dismissed.